0: Just, we're going to continue this morning with the series that we started before uh, the end, before the summer, sort of really got into full swing, that, going through the books of the Bible. And if you remember, towards the end of, just before the summer holidays, we were looking at the last books in the Old Testament, the Minor Prophets, and we've had a summer break now and we're going to carry on. And today we're going to look at the books of Matthew, Mark and Luke, the first three Gospels in the New Testament, and by Christmas we hope to have got to the book of Revelation. And then we will have done the whole Bible. (laughs) Um, So Matthew, um, Mark and Luke, Matthew, a book written mainly to Jews, the key words are I say, it's about words, it's about a king, about a seed being planted. Mark, it's a book that's written to Gentiles, the key words are I do, it's about works and it's about um, King Jesus there as well. In Luke as well, it's about another Gentile audience. Uh, and, and on we could go. But we're going to look at these books. And um, these opening three Gospels in the New Testament, we'll explain why we're looking at these three separately and John uh, another week. They're all a revelation of Jesus, of the person of Jesus. A revelation means an uncovering, a revealing, a showing who is the revelation of Jesus the Son of God, the Messiah, the promised one. They're a revelation of God the Son, the pre-existent one, the one who existed before time began. The one by whom Paul writes in Colossians 1:15 that all things were created. They were created through him and for him and in him, and all things hold together. He's the head of the church. Matthew, Mark, and Luke begin to reveal to us this person who today billions of people say they follow by calling themselves Christians. Uh, Little Christs, that means. Uh, And probably nearly everyone in this room today, you would call yourself a Christian. Um, And that would mean, if you really are a Christian, if you really are a follower of Christ, that would mean that you forgive others. That there's not unforgiveness in your heart towards anybody else today. It would mean you're generous uh, in hard times, even, that hard times don't cause you to have a hard heart. You still keep a generosity of spirit, there's a softness about your heart. It would mean that you, because you call yourself a Christian, it would mean that you love your enemies. Uh, it would mean that you do good to those who despise you. It would mean that you actually live a holy life and the standards of this world aren't the thermometer that affect you, but as has said last week, that you're a firmestat, that you have another standard, that you share in the same holiness that this Jesus who's revealed in Matthew, Mark and Luke, that he had, that there's something different about you. My aim is that as we look Uh, At these three books, at some aspects of Matthew, Mark and Luke today, that a hunger, even as we've been singing today, my soul thirsts for you, that God the Holy Spirit, who's present in this room, whether you feel him or not, is here, that God the Holy Spirit creates in you. And stirs in your heart a hunger in your soul for a revelation, even as the word came, prophetic word came this morning about there's always more, that you have a hunger, I want to see more of Jesus, I want to know. I want a further revealing. I haven't seen him fully. But Matthew, Mark and Luke, these three books are a revelation inspired by God, the Holy Spirit, that we can read today that give us a revelation, an uncovering of who the person is Jesus is. Um, You see, I want you to understand, I want us to understand the necessity uh, for encountering not a figment of our imagination, but this real person who lived in history 2,000 years ago, that you don't just feel something, even you say you feel the presence of Jesus, but that you know you're not making this up. Lots of people feel things even very strongly and live in a deluded world where they justify even their most scandalous actions by their feelings. If your so-called faith today is just based on your feelings, you're in a very dangerous friend. And I trust that your skeptical friends uh, will warn you that you're probably fooling yourself. The religious practice of calling yourself a Christian can be a dangerous delusion. Uh, Matthew 7 verse 21, Jesus says this. He says, not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I will say to you, I depart from me. I never knew you. I want to ask you today, do you call him Lord? But... Do you know him? Have you had a revelation of who he is? Is there something in the, the, the word of God that you can read, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, these historical books, and understand that's the Jesus I know? He's the one who affects the way I live. It's more than... Um, feeling something when my favorite worship song is played. It's more than being in an atmosphere of worship surrounded by those who know him and love him. It's more than that. I know he's a real person. And I understand who he was in history and I know him today. You see, you have to be able to say... That this Jesus, whom you pray to, whom you cry to, whom you recognize in the breaking of bread, whom you meet when you're ministering to the poor and the needy in this city, is the same Jesus who lived and taught and died and rose again in the first century as a figure in history. He has to be the same person. Otherwise, you can be deluded. Uh, Jesus, um, you know, was a real historical person who inaugurated the kingdom of God and lives today and is known today by the person of God, the Holy Spirit, who reveals, himself, who reveals Jesus to us. I want to say to you, do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Because the wonderful news of these three gospels is that Jesus is knowable. <laughs> is that you can know him. He's not a distant, far off God. He's a God who's come down. See, my question to you then is, have you had a revelation of Jesus? My second question to you is, have you ever played Cluedo? <laughs> Put your hand if you've ever played Cluedo. Some of you know what it's like. Um, who, you have to work out who did it, where they did it, and with what weapon they did it. It was Miss Scarlet in the kitchen with the lead pipe in. And then you've won the game when you've done it. Um, you know, how many of you ever watched a, a detective program on TV? Just any detective program, you've seen some detective, come on, you all have, don't be shy, it's not a sin. Um, You've watched a detective program and, and, uh, you know, something like Agatha Christie or Morse or Midsummer Murders. And I find them hard because you really have to keep concentrating if you're watching the detective program to work out who done it. Uh, and, and what happens, inevitably, if it's something like Morse, those are the worst ones, Morse, It's been like two hours long. I'm sat there watching the tea. Then Philip will say, will you do us a cup of tea? Yes. <laughs> Off I go. Do a cup of tea. I've missed so much of it. There's no chance of working out who done it. And you have to wait. After two hours at the end, the end comes, in the last five minutes, there's a denouement, the unravelling of it all, and we work out who did it. However, my favourite detective programme is Columbo. If you've ever seen Colombo, if you you want an easy time, just watch Columbo. Why is Colombo my favourite detective? Because in the first five minutes, you you see the murder committed. It's it's dreadful stuff to watch, really, murders and everything. But but, but it's all quite nice, in a way, and genteel. Somebody being murdered, never mind. But you you know who did it. And then the rest of the programme, the enjoyment of it, or perhaps the frustration of it, is we know who did it and we're watching everybody else work out under Columbo's supervision, gradually working it out piece by bit, and, and, and you begin to wonder what can happen. Um, so you can relax the rest of the program, and, uh, and you keep wanting to butt in and tell people, like, no, it's not him, it's her. You know. um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke could have written good Columbo stories. <laughs> Uh, for those who wanted to work it out until the very end, trying to work it out themselves, they, they, they don't know. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all give their punchlines in, the in the opening chapter of their gospel. And, and then Colombo style, as we read through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we spend the rest of the episode, or the gospel, uh, trying, watching everybody else gradually try and discover the truth. And we want to butt in and say to people, don't be daft, don't you get it? Um, There are even great comic moments, uh, for example, when you've got Cleopas and his friend walking on the road to Emmaus, uh, and they're moaning to this person who they think is a stranger that Jesus has died, and we thought he was going to save us, and it's actually a risen Jesus who's walking next to them. And we laugh, and we want to say to them, you stupid guys, can't you understand? That's Jesus, the risen Jesus, who's next to you. And we say, we thought he was going to save everyone, (laughs) and he's next to them. Um, You see, in Matthew 1 verse 1, but before we look at that, let's just put the end of the Old Testament into the picture. See, everyone, 400 years before Matthew, Mark, Luke ever started writing, before Jesus ever came on the scene... Everyone has been waiting. There's been this promise of a Messiah that was going to come, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And the last 400 years since the Old Testament closed, nothing seems to have happened in terms of spiritual events. Prophets like Isaiah many years before had prophesied in Isaiah 32:1 that a king would come and that this king would reign in righteousness. Uh, instead of progress... There'd been disappointment. They'd been waiting for a king to come and reign in righteousness, but there'd been disappointments as, as different empires had taken over the, the land of Palestine. In the last 60 years, it had been the Romans, who in, it, increasingly corrupt emperors had taken over, uh, and, uh, and they let different Herods rule uh, Palestine, but they were only puppets. Pulled by Roman strings. And, and, and everybody is wondering, when is this king of righteousness going to come? When is the king going to come and set us free? When is the deliverer? When are we going to be set free from this? And people were wondering. And, and, and people like Simeon were desperate. And they were going to the temple and moved by the Holy Spirit. Looking for the consolation of Israel. When is he going to come, the one who's going to save us? So look at Matthew One verse one, and it starts off with this. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, Matthew's just like a Columbo script writer. He's given it away right at the beginning. He's writing to a Jewish, mainly a Jewish audience, Matthew a Jew, tax collector. He's writing to a Jewish audience, and he's given it away. And so we now, as we read the story, we already know who done it. It's the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It's Jesus. He's the one who done it. Um, you see, what's Matthew saying? We perhaps don't pick it up as, as well as a Jewish audience would, but he's saying this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. See, is Christ the surname of Jesus? Did Mr. and Mrs. Christ have a baby? Uh, no, Christ is a word tool for explaining something to us. Christ is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah, meaning God's anointed, and by implication, king. So you see straight away about this book, it's about Jesus, God's anointed king. Don't forget, people have been waiting hundreds of years for the king to come, and Matthew says it's about him. It's about Jesus, the anointed king. And just to rub it in, what does he say? It's the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Any Jew reading that would have understood who David was. David was the greatest king that Israel ever had, that before the kingdom was ever divided. He was the greatest king. And, and, and you know, God had promised David, the Jews knew in reading 2 Samuel 7:13 that he would have a descendant from his lineage who... God would, for whom God would establish a throne for the kingdom of David forever. And then Matthew adds another layer onto this. He says, Jesus is not just the son of David. This isn't the book of G.N.L. It's just Jesus Christ, the son of David, but he's also the son of Abraham. Going back to the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the Jews knew that in, in, in the beginning that, that Abraham had been promised. We can read it in Genesis twenty-two, eighteen, that in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you've obeyed my voice. Abraham who had Isaac as his only son if you remember Abraham knew that it wasn't through Isaac that all the nations of the earth would be blessed he knew it that Isaac was the one who was just paving the way that someone would come after Isaac because Jesus says in John 8:56 that Abraham himself rejoiced at the thought of seeing this day of Jesus being on the planet uh. And Jesus was the one who would be the son of Abraham, par excellence. Jesus would be the one who's the son of Abraham, who fulfills that promise. And Jesus is the one who's greater than Abraham. He's the son of Abraham, but greater than him. How can it be? John 8, 58, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. Uh, Abraham believed God. In Genesis 15, verse 8, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Jesus is the son of Abraham who credits to us the righteousness that Abraham received because of his faith in God. So Matthew 1, verse 1 opens with the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, son of Abraham. Move on to Mark, uh, the next gospel. Mark 1, verse 1. Does he do a Colombo style? Let's tell you all at the start. Yes, he does. The opening lines are, Mark 1 verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark might not call Jesus the Messiah, as Matthew does. He's not writing mainly for a Jewish audience. But he, nor does he call him the Son of Abraham or the Son of David. But he's still given it away. He says this book is about the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Um. And, and, and that's the beginning. You know, the Son of God is the beginning not just of Mark's story, but the beginning of the gospel. Jesus is the Son of God. God has always existed. Jesus has always existed as the Son of God. Jesus has been sent from heaven to earth and has taken on human flesh. Jesus is fully God, but has taken on human flesh. Jesus is God incarnate, God with human flesh on him. So you find passages in Mark, for example, where Jesus says in Mark 9, 37, whoever welcomes me, talking about the little children, whoever welcomes me, welcomes one of these little children, welcomes uh, me, does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. He's referring to, I'm here, but there's somebody who sent me. I've come from somewhere else. In, in Mark 1, verse 11, uh, you know, can I say, this is the sound of heaven touching earth. This is the sound of heaven touching earth. Jesus, when he says, every time he says in Mark's gospel, I have come. He's saying he's come from somewhere. He's come from heaven to touch earth. He's the one who pre-existed. He's the one who came before all these stories began. He existed. And in Mark 1 verse 11, we see that the father calls Jesus his beloved son at his water baptism. And how the spirit descends upon him like a dove. You think surely everyone will get it now. The demons do. (laughs) Mark 3 verse 11. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the son of God. And as you read the story, this hasn't been revealed to people yet. But the demons understand he's the son of God. He's the one. And what do we see this king does when the demons are, are, are revealing, are saying what they've seen? Uh, you know, Jesus, he, he, he orders them uh, with them going uh, to go into pigs and, and plunging into sea. You know, the king has come. And the king is prepared because he silences the demons. He's prepared to exercise his authority. This is good news. Jesus, the king, has come from heaven and he's prepared to do something. With the authority that he has, he's prepared to act. You carry on reading Mark. At the end of chapter 8, Jesus talks about returning one day to his disciples in chapter 8, verse 38 uh, in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. That's not normal talk for an ordinary person to say. He can't talk about their Joseph the carpenter. He's talking about his heavenly father. Then in the next verse, he tells his disciples that some of them there would see, before they died, the kingdom of God with power. They'd already seen demons cast out. They'd already seen the sick healed. But he says, you're going to see the kingdom of God with power. And six days later, as we read through Mark's gospel, at the top of a small mountain in Mark chapter 9, Moses is there. Elijah is there. And the father again calls Jesus, this is my beloved son. And and, and, listen to him, the father says. And Mark writes this about Jesus at that time. He says his clothes were radiant because they were... uh, Uh, And and they became intensely white as no one, no one on earth could bleach them. Mark's not just a hyperbolic writer for a personal advert. He's actually saying to people here, do you understand I mean this literally? This was something of a, a radiance that was not from earth, but his clothes were so radiant that... This was a sign for you to see that this was a man from heaven and that Jesus' heavenly identity is confirmed here, that no one on earth could bleach his clothes like this. Jesus really is a man who has come from another realm. Um, You see, he's saying this kingdom has come. This kingdom is yet to come. It's not a fantasy. It's not a figment of our imaginations. Peter later writes on, much later refers back to that day because he was there with James and John on the top of a mountain. And he refers to it in detective type terms. And he says, we were eyewitnesses to his majesty, this coming kingdom, we've seen it. We've seen something of the glory of Jesus, a glorified Jesus. Yes, in his human flesh, but with a glorified body. This was a pretaste, a foretaste of what's to come. He says, I've seen it. I've touched, I've handled, I've felt. I know who Jesus is. Going back to Mark. He got lots of his information from Peter for the way he wrote the Gospels. But he's saying, this is it. And because he was validated as the Son of God, the Father says, listen to him. See, it's not pie in the sky. Uh, It's something that's real as we can, we, can, we can enter into this as we read through it. And, and as we carry on reading from Mark, we read that the father sends again and again. It comes out, you know, his beloved son in the parable in chapter 12. Where there's a vineyard and the workers, they kill the man, they kill the servants the father sends. And then the father sends his only son. And what's the reaction from the priests and scribes and elders? Will they get Jesus? It's he's the one. He's the one who's done it. He's the one who's the son of God, the Messiah. Will they get it? No, they don't. Because we groan knowing what we know as we read the book. We groan when we see the scribes and elders and priests. They say they wanted to kill him after he told that parable about the vineyard and the servant and then the son being sent. And then John 13, 32, when it's talking about the end of the world, the time when the end will come. Jesus says it's neither angels nor the son know that time. And so what are we seeing? Up to chapter 13 in Mark's gospel, um, you know, Jesus' identity as the son of God has only been recognized by those in the spiritual realm, by demons, by, by angelic beings, and by God himself. But something happens as we get to the end of Mark's gospel. We get close to the end of the story, for Jesus is confronted by the high priest, a normal human being who interrogates him in chapter 14, 62, after Jesus has been whipped and mocked and scourged, he interrogates him and he says, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And you think, wow, is this it? Does he understand? Has he understood something? Who Jesus really is? That is the son of God. And, and we think he's about to get it, but no. Jesus says, I am. And the high priest wants him dead. So when will the first person who's not an a demon, not an angelic being in Mark's gospel, when will that first person understand who Jesus is? You see, in Mark's gospel, in other gospels, it's, we record how, how Peter gets that revelation from heaven and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Not in Mark's gospel. He, just, he doesn't get that revelation that he's the son of the living God in the way Mark writes it. Uh, but there comes this point um, when the first person to get it is only... Uh, only the centurion who had led the band of soldiers who had crucified Jesus, treated him cruelly, spat on him, pulled his beard. It is that man, the man we'd least expect to get the revelation of Jesus is after Jesus has died. That man says, truly, this man was the son of God. There's good news. There's good news. Because I want to say to you, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how you live. You can open up your heart today and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me who Jesus is. I want that revelation. If the centurion that led the soldiers, that physically crucified Jesus, the Lord of glory, can get that revelation, anyone in this room can. Anyone can. So we've looked at Matthew, finished with Luke. Luke. Um, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, 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 there's a lot of repetition there, because the synoptic Gospels is what we call those first three Gospels. John isn't part of that, but the synoptic Gospels, having the same synoptic visual, having the same sort of view, the same sort of approach. But Luke is still slightly different. Throughout the whole book of Luke, there's no human confession of Jesus as the Son of God. The Father calls him a Son of God, Satan does, unclean spirits do, all very similar sort of Columbo stuff early on. But what we see is Luke's gospel, this medical doctor who wants people to reason and think for themselves. This medical doctor in Luke 1.32, it's recorded how the angel Gabriel comes to Mary. And this is what Gabriel says to Mary in Luke 1.32 and 33, talking about Jesus, who's going to be born to her. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him his throne of the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And in Luke 1.35, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Perhaps what's the most amazing here uh, is, is Jesus as revealed. Unlike in Matthew, and Mark, but Jesus is revealed as one with everlasting identity, uh, that he's forever. It's only in the Old Testament. There's only one verse, Ezekiel 37, 25, when it says, David, my servant, shall be their prince forever. David had had a throne promised to him, but now we begin to understand this throne is going to have not just a son of David, but the son of David, who will reign on that throne forever and ever and ever. Um, it doesn't mean he's gonna reign a long time. His kingdom will never end. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the one who has come from heaven. And the New Testament just begins with this revelation this uncovering of Jesus. Come on, I just long for us all to be people who love the Word of God, who love reading the Gospels. Let's read, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Let's get revelations of Jesus as we read. God, the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit, just as you might come to a Sunday meeting and say, oh, Lord, we want, we want to feel your presence when we're worshiping. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, I want to feel your presence as I read the Scripture. I want to feel your presence as I read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I want that revelation. I want it to be uncovered to me. I want to get it. I want to see with the eyes of my heart. I want the eyes of my heart to be able, I want to see you are the King. Holy Spirit, open it to me. I want to hear, even as I'm reading, in my, I want to hear in my heart the sound of heaven touching earth. Um, Spirit, break out in my heart as I read through this. Uh, I want to finish just by challenging you, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm just going to sing a song together to finish. But I want to challenge you is, do you really know this Jesus? Every one of us has the potential to live in a delusion, And to live with a figment of our imagination. And to have a Jesus who is not the one we find in scripture. The word of God is given to us so that we can know the truth. And it's so important. I want to encourage us as a community to be a people who love the word of God. And as we go into this phase, don't rely on your feelings. Feelings are wonderful. Please don't get me wrong. I love to feel good in the presence of God. Love it. But there's something more than that. We have to know that this Jesus who we pray to, who we cry to, who we, we meet in the breaking of bread, who we meet when we're ministering to the poor and or needy in this city, that this Jesus is the same Jesus who we see in Scripture because he said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if this Jesus that's in your mind is a Jesus who seems to allow you to have sex outside of marriage, I want to say to you, you need to go back and read your Bible. If this Jesus is a Jesus who seems, oh, it doesn't matter if you don't forgive someone, you need to go back and read your Bible. If this Jesus is someone who, who doesn't make you want to be generous and give a warm smile and a friendly handshake to someone and, and stops you from avoiding someone when you see them. If, if, he's, if he's not that, you go back and let's be a people who say, yes, I live differently to the world because I know this Jesus is real. I've met him. He's the king and he inaugurated. The kingdom started. The kingdom came. This man from heaven came to earth and he touched hearts and lives 2,000 years ago and I know the same man. I want to experience him. I don't want to experience an atmosphere. I want to experience something of heaven's atmosphere through an encounter of a real living person today. Holy Spirit, come we pray. Just just worship team could come and We're just going to sing to finish a prayer that's a response that I believe can be in the hearts of all of us. Yes, this is about Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's about reading our Bible, but it's about inviting the Holy Spirit, every page of Scripture inspired by the person of God, the Holy Spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, come and do a work in our hearts, even in the next few minutes, that causes something to happen in our lives. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit just to break out, yeah, We've got the Holy Spirit to break out uh, and just to pull down the walls of our uh, uh, presuppositions, our, our thoughts that are not in alignment. We want to know you, Jesus. And we say, we want to hear the sound of heaven touching us. We want the man from heaven to touch our lives. And we can open our hearts today. Amen. Let's just just sing together, shall we? Just Can we just stand? And, Lydia's go, um, and uh, Lisa's going to lead us. In that, amen. If you want to just make it as a special, just you want to mark something. You say, I really want to know. I really want to know. Just, just come out to the front and stand. We're only, going, we're not going to be longer than four minutes. But just come and stand at the front as we sing this song. I just want us to. Really, if that's your heart, I want to respond today. I want to say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me. It's the cry of my heart. Here I am. I'm making a mark. I'm showing myself as, as someone. who Just come right to the very front so others can come as well. Just come right to the very front here. Uh, and just, you, you, you just really want that. Just come to the front as we sing this song.